Hello and welcome to The Home Stretch, the ultimate guide to buying your first home with Gaff Interiors and Bank of Ireland. I'm Caroline. And I'm Joe. And across this six-part series, we'll be covering everything from getting your finances in order to finding the perfect house, the legal things you need to know, and how to style your home when you eventually get the keys. Absolutely. And now things are getting very exciting. So on our chronological journey so far, at this stage, You've got the keys to your first home, you're popping the champagne, you're spending an obscene amount of time probably on Pinterest and hopefully on Gaff Interiors and you are ready to move in. For this episode, we are absolutely thrilled to be joined by interiors blogger and first time buyer, Anne-Marie Boyhan. You'll find her on Instagram at what she wears. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Delighted. We can't wait to hear about your first-hand experience of becoming a first time homeowner. So can you maybe start by telling us where the journey began for you? It began in about 2014. We were in a one-bed apartment in Sandy Mount, which we loved. Is uh, you and your husband? Myself and my husband, Ivan, yeah. And one-bed apartment and we had our first baby called Ruby and we realised we needed more space and we started looking around and basically figured out that we couldn't afford in Sandy Mount. It was fabulous to rent in and we'd had a great time. But we once we started looking around, we figured out where we could buy and that was really down to meeting with experts and talking to other people. Once we started looking on Daft and My Home everywhere to see what we could afford, then we started narrowing in on, on the areas. But basically, yeah, we were expecting a baby. We had a baby. We needed more room. And then we started saving for a mortgage. But, and what kind of areas were you looking at? We looked all over, to be honest. Obviously, Sandy Mount was way out. You know, mm-hmm. it's in our dreams. Uh, Ranala, we started looking at Clontarf. And then Drumcondra Marino started coming on our radar then. And at the time, Drumcondra Marino probably were a little bit more affordable than they even are now. I think for first-time buyers today, Drumcondra's gone through the roof. In Drumcondra into a new build, so we're absolutely thrilled with it. What were you looking for in terms of, obviously, affordability is key. And Brefney, who was our kind of housing expert, said that, you know, locality is the number one thing. But what were the secondary things that you were looking for when you were looking to choose an area and ultimately a home? Things, you know, as your life changes as well and our needs changed, you know, when we're in Sandy Mount, we were having a great time and we were out in town a lot. Whereas once we had a baby, our priorities changed. We needed a more space. You start thinking about school stuff that wasn't even on our radar before. You know, where are they going to go to school? You look at things like commute to work. I work full time in a company and my husband works from home. He's self-employed. But you do look at things like we, we, you know, someone had said, would you not, you know, move to Hoth or move to Kalini or something? But for me, that was too long of a commute. So I want to be able to cycle to work. I want to be able to pop into town on the weekends. I don't want to be way out. Um, and I wasn't prepared to commute, you know, outside of Dublin either. So there's different things depending on your life stage that you want though, so that you might realise you want. So things like people suggesting schools to me, I thought they were mad. But yeah. you, you have to... Think of those things and and and, and figure out where, where you're going to send your kids. And were you buying with your forever home in mind or were you just sort of thinking, like, let's just think about this next stage of our life that we're currently facing into now? I think both, really. I'd, 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 I'd like to see us in this place for a long time because we've really, really love it and we've put our own stamp on it. And we've specifically looked for a house, uh, not an apartment. So we've done our apartment living, but we definitely wanted like a three bed house or a two bed house and something that we could ex- extend, preferably if, if we needed to. So... I'd like to think of it as our our first, our long-term home, but you never know. Was there many things that you felt like you had to compromise on? I mean, obviously you're coming from an amazing 
locality like Sandy Mount, but like you, I mean, it sounds like you're really happy where you are now, but was there anything that you felt like, okay, I do need to sacrifice a couple of things? Yeah, I mean, your your priorities do change. And, and you know, when we were, when we were looking, certainly the, the buyer's market was really difficult. Like there was, there was so much demand and there was, there was no supply of houses. So uh, when we went to look at things, there were 30, 40 people, you know, looking wow. at other houses. Um, there were places that had like tiny little backyards, but they weren't even enough for like a bin, for example. So it was really, we found, we got really disheartened. We put in offers on loads of places that like doer uppers. Um, we'd had a builder. He, you know, would would have helped with advising us on the potential of houses and things. Yeah, I mean, things like a back garden, for example. I didn't think we ever would need one, but once you have kids, you actually do. You need somewhere for them to run around. And now it's one of the rooms that we use most in our house. Oh, okay, so that's something that actually you thought maybe you could do without and now you wouldn't compromise on. As an interiors blogger, we're going to get into the the nuts and bolts of how you actually ended up styling your home and what you did. But before we get to the point where you're, you've moved in, how did you find the whole process of getting a mortgage, all the different legal bits and bobs? Because obviously at this stage, we've carried people through that journey and now they've gotten the keys. As our guinea pig who went through it was it as daunting as you thought it was going to be did you is there anything that you wish you you knew then that you know now i personally found it daunting because the all the speculation and the market at the time and everyone was saying it's so hard to get on the property ladder there's no houses out there you're going to be in bidding wars so i definitely think you should try and block that out because once we started talking to experts we found out what we needed to do and we were daunted but we found a path. So first of all, um, we met with a mobile mortgage manager and they set us straight in terms of what we needed to have saved, what we needed to have on our accounts, in our credit, you know, don't miss any uh, credit card statements. Don't let your account go into the red. Think Simple things like that, like putting things to mark actually on when your rent is going out to your landlord to say it's actually rent and not. So for example, you know, if you were paying rent to a friend or a mother or something to actually do simple tricks like that. Okay, so to actually put on the transfer, clearly label things. Clearly label things, label your savings, things like that. And then things like my husband is, as I mentioned, Ivan is self-employed and we didn't know, we didn't have a clue, you know, if we'd even be eligible for a mortgage. So even finding out that he had to have two to three years of accounts and um, things like that, just to get our paperwork in order. So what we did was we started doing all those things after that meeting and getting everything in order as well as keeping saving. And then we found that, okay, we've got a we've got a home stretch here. We've mm-hmm. got, you know, a clear path and uh, we know what we need to do. And then from there, everyone, all the experts advised us on the way. But I think it was basically not listening to the media. And okay, yeah. The, so turning down the volume on all of the, the scaremongering and the stress that surrounds the market and buying a house right now. And I think that's come through in all of our episodes. It's just Absolutely. to hone, limit your focus and hone in on what your needs are, what your budget is, what areas suit you, what your lifestyle is. Um, and talk to a couple of key experts. Yeah, absolutely. Getting all, and as you said, learning the tools, having the skills and then just forging your own path. So we know that you finally found a new build that you fell in love with. Was that just good timing? Was it the right house? Were you kind of at that stage so sick of looking at fixer uppers? How did you decide on the new build? It wasn't intentional to go with a new build. And it's funny, in hindsight, we're absolutely delighted that we have things like BER and, you know, the house is A-rated, has a garden, it's sunny, things that 
like I mentioned before, we hadn't thought of with the doer-uppers. So it did happen unintentionally, but it, it came up when we were in the process. We couldn't find, as I said, we were getting gazumped through the process. So um, it, it happened. My sister lives in the area and she had spotted this new bit, new housing estate that had three houses left. And it was a bit odd in that we queued up at six o'clock in the morning to get it. There were three houses left. We knew which house we wanted. We wanted South Basin Garden. And we queued up with our flask of coffee and our sandwiches and sounds very Celtic Tiger, but <laughs> we were at the top of the queue and we got the house that we wanted. But it was very much buying from a showroom and... So you had to take a leap of faith, I guess. We did, but we had done our research on the development, on the area. Uh, we were pretty happy that what we were going to choose, we would we would, we would like. Yeah. Uh, but it does, it, it it is funny, the process, when you start off looking for a house to what you get in the end, because at the start, I suppose I would have been like, oh, I want my period house. And Fireplaces. Yeah, and, and yeah. all of that. And then you go and look at those and you realise that the implications that are involved in buying those and your criteria does change. So, yeah. And it's also, I'm in a new build as well. It's just, it's a lot less stress if you can manage to get yourself a new build you're in the door, then you can just focus on the aesthetics. You don't need to worry about finding, you know, dry rot in the walls or things that really cause people an awful lot of stress later on. Obviously, there's there's pros and cons to both. I think you do lack a certain amount of charm with a new build. Um, but in terms of energy efficiency and getting in there and and having a blank slate to just go wild with, I think it's amazing. I'd agree. So you got in, as Caroline said, it's a completely blank page how did you know where to start? I mean, Caroline has spoken a lot about how, and we've spoken about this already, she just wanted everything to be in the house because at that stage, you're so dying to get in and just feel set up. What kind of approach did you take to filling the house with everything that you needed to? Yeah, and I think I'm actually the opposite to Caroline. Um, in that way, we were totally broke. So we had put everything into the house and getting the south facing garden, which was extra. So we had no money and we had come from renting. So we had nothing. So we basically had our clothes and our bits and bobs. Ivan had a few guitars, which he wants a room <laughs> for. But anyway, that's still up for a debate. Um, so, yeah, so things like um, we got cash back, the particular offer that we got with the with the bank. So we once we got that money, we were able to buy some furniture. And we things that we bought were, for example, a kitchen island. So I was obsessed. I was like, yeah, we need an island and a bed. So the only thing that I'd ordered before we moved in was a bed because I knew someone had told me uh, that they take ages to, to mm-hmm. arrive. So I'd ordered that around. Luckily, it coincided with the, the, the move in, but it was about six months to get the bed. So we had a bed and then we borrowed things like a TV for my sister, a couple of chairs and then kind of went from there. And were you dying to get stuck in or were you happy to take your time with it and really get a feel for the space? Like I regretted some of my purchases because I just thought it fits, like it technically fits, but does it actually work or how do I actually use a space? Do I use this room in the morning? Do I use this room at night? All those kind of things I didn't realise because I was, I guess I was over eager. Was that patience on your part or was it just that out of necessity? It was kind of out of necessity, but also I knew I couldn't go and buy everything myself because Ivan, my husband, is very involved. He's very into art and aesthetics. And oh, that's really unfortunate all of that. for you. <laughs> <laughs> so it takes us a long time to compromise, not compromise, but to decide on things. So, for example, it took us 18 months to decide on 
the lights that go over our dining table. Wow. We couldn't find anything that either of us would And is agree that because on. you've got completely different opinions when it comes to decor or you just wanted to get it right? We just wanted to get it right. And, you know, in, in an easier world, I could have bought the first thing that I saw that I thought was right. But he would say, no, look at how the light changes when you switch this light on or look at how that colour will make the room look cold or, you know, things like that. Very I, savvy husband. Yeah, he brings <laughs> a good side of your brain to the situation. That's yeah, very good, very technical. So we've, we've had a great time, but it has been slower. So we've definitely done it room by room. And ha- as we've had the money, so with each paycheck, we might buy one other thing. Or now, don't get me wrong, we've sent back things. I've come home with things as well. And he's like, are you sure? (laughs) And, you know, they've gone back. So but, you know, things like the sales as well, I was really holding out for. So, um, you know, the the sales in June and in January again. So things like buying bed linen, all of those things and holding out for, you know, the nice Egyptian cotton and Mm. the the Arnott's warehouse sale is really good. That's um, a brilliant one for anyone listening. Just keep an eye when that comes around. You'll get an absolute and, bargain. And also to, to find your favourite brands and to sign up for their emails because I was a big Meadows and Burn fan and I had my eye on a couple of furniture pieces and I signed, I mean, I don't like getting emails from most people, but I really did value their ones because you'd be the first to know about a sale and invariably everything that you want will go 20%, 30% down. And so I waited and I eventually jumped on things. That was the only thing I did that you know, it was a little bit more, had more patience and I, I managed to kind of curb my impulsivity there. Um, But yeah, find your favourite brand, sign up for them and then you'll be aware when, as soon as they have a sale and just fall in love with something. So that's what I wanted to ask you. Did you, did you fall in love with pieces and start from there when it came to your interior style? Or did you say, this is the kind of look I want for this room? It was a combination of both. So as I said earlier, it was affordability as well in terms of when we had the money. But it was definitely like the first thing we did, apart from the order of the bed, was get the whole house painted in white. So we went for a really white, white, an architectural white, it was called Vevet from Fire and Ball, because we just wanted that blank canvas. We wanted loads of light. I initially thought I was like, you know, Scandi, you know, paired back, that kind of look. And then as I went on, I found I was getting into the more glam side. So I suppose I'm a bit Scandi glam, but, you know, buying things like, I found a gorgeous, you know, huge gilt mirror in Paul Costello and Dunn Stores, for example. And that's like one big piece in the living room. So kind of matching, matching styles. But yeah, so it was a combination, I think. So like a little bit of looks and a little bit of Scandi. And that sort of came organically for you the longer you spent yeah, putting Yeah, and things like Art Deco and, you know, the contrast between, let's say, dark walls and, and colours started coming into it then. But initially it was very paired back then with, with the pieces added in, the Art Deco pieces added in. And likewise with buying your, your kitchen island, that's also quite a big piece and it does dictate the kind of vibe of the room. So how did you go about choosing that? Had you had the kitchen been painted and ready to go when you got in? How did you make that decision? Yeah, the kitchen was was painted, as I said, in white. And then we were allowed to choose the colour of the cabinets. We went for quite a light grey. And then the island, we actually put so much thought into the island. We've called it Ibiza because it's our favourite <laughs> island. But So the, the, it has a name. We went to a couple of showrooms. There's one called D1 Kitchens. I know that's the one that's featured a lot in Room to Improve. But we went to, you know, a couple of different showrooms to see what we wanted. We were trying to decide, do we need a wooden surface or a granite surface? In the end, we went for a marble look um it's not marble but it's think quartz what, quartz yes very Thank you, durable Caroline. yeah so it was the marble look without the, the cost the marble cost yeah, yeah. and get mm. then got it painted in a color that we want which was 
downpipe by Farron Ball. So, you know, greys, whites, very bright. Again, um, a lot of thought went into it. But like I say, at the moment, it's the place that we hover around. It's where we spend most of our time. We love it. Was there a moment when you had moved in and you were starting to kind of get your bits and pieces. Was there a moment when you bought something and put it in a room and you kind of felt like, okay, now I'm starting to make headway? Because if you're if you're very choosy like you are and you're doing things bit by bit when the money comes in, I'm sure it takes a while before you feel like, okay, now I can see it starting to gather momentum. Yeah, it's it's definitely a process. And I I did use a lot of inspiration, you know, Instagram, Pinterest, a lot Gaff of interiors. Gaff interiors. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, there's there's so much out there. Even even now, I noticed from when we started in our house to, to, to when we did our attic conversion, the, the choice now and the difference in, for example, bathrooms and the difference in decor. And I look back on, you know, the tiles that we initially had chosen or our, our bathrooms now with the with the new build, they're they're pretty limited the choices, but you do get two to three color choices. Um, and I look back at those now and go, oh, you know, yeah, what was so I quickly. doing? <laughs> Tell us about the attic then. So, how many years were you in the new build before you went into the attic, and had that always been your plan? It was always in our plan because with this particular purchase, there was room to 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 expand. So uh, we again waited until we had some money saved. And it actually happened. I was pregnant with my second daughter, Lexi. And as I mentioned, Ivan works from home. We we needed more space. He was using one of the bedrooms as an office. So now about to have second child, need more space. So we said, let's let's do an attic conversion. So, yeah, it was really exciting. And I love the process because it allowed me to really put my stamp on things. Like I mentioned before with with the new build, you are quite limited in your choices. So Mm -hmm. this was really like, no, actually, I can design this the way I want. And what were some of your favourite features that you added to that room? Things like, uh, so there's there's a bedroom in, in it, there's a bathroom and then there's an office come storage area. So the bathroom I went slightly mad with. <laughs> I got obsessed with tiles, things like that. But like I said, Pinterest was a huge influence looking at, you know, I initially wanted monochrome, black and white. And then I discovered a couple of blogs that were had lovely gold trims. So I kind of went for monochrome with lots of gold trims. Mm-hmm. And sourcing the things was was a nightmare, but I didn't want bog standard bathroom, excuse the pun, mm-hmm. but that's what <laughs> that's what you get when you work with. That's not necessarily what you get, but I suppose the initial pricing that comes in from builders is for your basics, your basics. Yeah. So I really wanted to do the, the vision in my head that I wanted. And that was really starting with compiling my mood boards on Pinterest of the, the, the other bathrooms out there that I loved mm. and then making my version of that. So again, finding out where to source things, chatting to people on Instagram. You know, there's there's loads of people out there who have done their bathrooms and they're sharing their pictures. So you can find out where, where to get things. And then in the bedroom, then... I put things like panelling. So I have a panelled wall. And, and we'll, fe- we'll share pictures of this when we put the episode yes. out. It's beautiful. Thank you. So things like I didn't think I was capable of, but, you know, bold choices like uh, a green wall with panelling matched with a pink bed. I don't know how I got past that past the husband. You know, so my, my style definitely got braver in terms of, you know, how I was putting rooms together as it went on. But I, I really, really enjoyed the process. That's cool to, for people to hear that like you do build up that courage as you go along and you probably do have more confidence to make a bolder choice at the start. I'm sure you can be like quite paralysed with fear about making a wrong move. And I'd say that's because you're only getting used to the fact that you own this house. 
you know, you've rented for so long, perhaps you've lived at home and now no one is telling you you can't do what you want to do, but you're still, will I, will I regret this choice? So it is, it's something that comes with time. I'm sure your followers absolutely loved watching the attic come together. Like whenever we're on Gaff, all people want is renovation projects, seeing people go from one, yeah, one blank before room. and after. Yeah, was yeah that before and really after with? Yeah. yeah, they definitely did. And I started to document the build even from scratch and things like Instagram stories are great for that because it really is behind the scenes. You know, the builders arriving with their scaffolding and I went away for a weekend with my sister and the builder and my husband had a conversation about the bathroom and they were like arrived in on the Monday and I arrived back and they had started with the bathroom and I was like, hang on, I haven't shared my vision with you. Oh you know? my God. So, you need to see the mood board. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to um, help our listeners be as prepared as they can be before moving in. So we're going to fly through some of the essential info. It's not the beautiful interiors. It's more the kind of the basics, essentials, like getting your post in order, that kind of thing. So were there any key things before you moved in that you needed to get organised, such as forwarding bills? Forwarding bills, yeah. Leaving, you know, those stickers back at the rental that we were leaving behind. We left stuff like Wi-Fi and that until we moved in and shopped around a bit, to be honest, because we, you know, you know at that stage what provider you've been with and there are some great offers out there, um, appliances, other th- things like that, making sure they arrive the same day that you move in. Otherwise, like you can't cook, yeah. checking the water, things like that. I know um, I know a couple of people who their water wasn't working when they moved in. Thing, thing, simple things like that. We had the house snagged as well. So I know you don't need to do that with secondhand houses, but we definitely, with the new build, ha- brought in a professional snagger to to help us. Um, and that, that was still ongoing when we moved in. So yeah, there are... Like I mentioned earlier, the bed as well, making sure you order that mm-hmm. uh, once you have your move in date, because that takes six weeks. Yeah. What were the kind of things in the first few days that made the place feel like a home for you? Obviously, you had your bed, your appliances, but what were the kind of things that you used, especially when you've got kids, to make them feel like, okay, everything's fine. <laughs> it's, it's a little empty, but we're all together. Yeah. I think the space, it sounds funny, but coming from a one bed apartment into a three bed house, we could not get over the space. And Ruby was. She was a year and a half and she, we turned around at one stage, we were like admiring the room and we're like going, oh my God, this is, we've got the keys, we're, we're, we're in. And she literally legged it up the stairs, she was crawling <laughs> and we're like, where's the child? But it was like, we had never had a stairs, you know, uh, we never had a hot press. So, you know, hot press, it's a big Irish institution, I think. Mm, the immersion. Yeah, the immersion. <laughs> Uh, we don't have an aversion, but we have a hot press and it's like, you know, novelties like that. It's like, wow, we have a garden. So um, and then I suppose basics when you move in like a kettle and a pint of milk, you know, you, you don't know where the nearest shop is. You don't know if you're going to be able to cook if you don't have appliances. So simple things like that. And I, a couple of, you know, friends or family called around actually with with food and with you know, a TV, for example, just, just, which we put on the floor, but, um. And don't forget your bed linen for the first night as well. Yeah. Yes. You don't want yeah. to be sleeping on a, on a bare duvet. It wouldn't feel very homely at all. Yeah. It, it sounds like you were fairly prepared. We were, but we didn't have much furniture, like, like I said. So it was very much, you know, borrow a chair, sofa. Uh, we didn't have anywhere to sit. So it was very much make and do from from family and helping out uh, because of that you know as I mentioned we were we were broke and we uh, were waiting for our cash back to buy our furniture So were you asking around with friends and family does anyone have this and that that we could borrow short term and or were people offering stuff to you? 
They were offering stuff to us, but things like classified sites as well. You know, we yeah. would have got a couple of chairs off the likes of Dundee and, and adverts and they're great for, for things were they, like Were that. they things just to see you through or were they things that you, you held on to? They were just to see us through. Okay, and so you're I not since, spending much money yeah, on them at all. Yeah, I since like would have resold them or gave them away for free on, on those sites. Had you done a clear out before you moved? I think like moving home is a great excuse to like do a complete inventory of what you own, even in terms of clothes and stuff and do a charity run. Did you feel like you had to get reorganised with everything in your life in order to make this move as stress-free as possible? I definitely agree with that. And we, we didn't at the time, but what happened when we went on to do our attic conversion? So we moved with everything and then we said, listen, we won't do it clear out now, but we brought everything. And then once we had to have the attic cleared to do the conversion, we did a huge clean out then. I mean, spent entire weekend and there was stuff going to charity. There was loads of stuff that we sold on classified sites and we just we knew we had to empty the space. So it was huge um, to be able to do that. And, and it was actually really therapeutic. Mm. Marie Kondo style. Yeah. yeah, that sounds amazing. And how long was uh, in total the attic conversion? Like how long did it take and how much of an impact was it? It took about 10 months and that's just because we had, wow. to, we had to apply for planning permission. So we wanted a dormer window. So the planning permission was actually quite straightforward in that it was eight weeks with Dublin City Council. But by the time we got it and then we, I was still expecting my second child, Lexi. So we waited till that happened and then calmed down a bit. And then so we would have started in February and then started the build in November and it was finished by February. Obviously, there were Christmas holidays in there for about two weeks. The build itself only took two months, but it was great because they, the builders actually went in and out through the dormer window once it was built and all the supplies and everything went through the scaffolding and, and through that window. So they didn't actually disturb our house at all. It was great. God, that's amazing. Mm. And do you think that. if people are buying their first home and they know they want to do certain work the minute they get in there, like it's a fixer-upper thing, do you think if they if they can afford to do it while they're in the midst of the upheaval of moving, should they just start on with all that work or should they wait a while and then disrupt things again? What would be your advice on that? I think it's very personal because it does depend on whether you have the money or not. So I've seen people who have done it straight away and not moved in and then people who have moved in um, and it can be disruptive. Like if you don't have, like if they are doing up your, sometimes you can't live there and you have to find rental accommodation, which is a huge cost on top of a mortgage you're already paying. So it's it's totally personal. Um, if if I had, was in that situation, I'd probably like to do it. I don't know. I'd like, you know, to get it done, to get the disruption out of the way. But, you know, it's totally, I think it's very personal. Yeah. And at the same time, then, by the time you did come to the attic conversion, you did, you were able to make a lot more braver choices because you had gone through the rest of the house. So maybe it's nice to be kind of ready for the next phase when that comes around. So we want to talk through um, a couple of important things like shopping and, and where we source things. And I think the delivery times people can kind of underestimate and, um, when you, like you said, if you hadn't have known about the bed, how long that would take, you would have been sleeping on the on the floor from the moment you got in. So we'll ask you about how you found getting certain things delivered, but we wanted to hit up some of our favourite brands and ask them about their lead-in times for certain things, whether it's appliances or furniture, that kind of thing. Uh, so one place that we asked was uh, made.com and people actually overlook even looking online. In, in Ireland, we are real tactile. We need to go into a shop and touch things. But I certainly love getting stuff online. With May.com, it's super handy because on each product, whether it's a bed, a chair, even a light, they're all individually timed for delivery. So something will tell you it's going to be delivered within three days. Something else, something larger, depending on where it's coming from, will tell you it's going to be 10 to 12 weeks. So there's no guessing there at all. 
For the likes of DFS, who we absolutely love and we really recommend their service from literally ordering to delivering for sofas. those guys or sofas, they're absolutely brilliant. Now, they say about six to eight weeks from the ordering to getting your sofa because they're handmade but they do have a whole new selection called the So Simple Range and they can be with you as soon as four weeks after ordering and they're also a little smaller it's a very uh, capsule collection so if you're just moving in and you don't have a whole lot of money that might be a nice starter way Absolutely Um, for other essentials like the bed We've asked Harvey Norman about that and if it's in stock, it can be as simple as one week. If it's not in stock and needs to be ordered in, it could be 12 weeks. Appliances delivered are amazing because you can literally book in with them to have everything brought to you and they'll also take away your old appliances. That won't apply for anyone, except for someone like you, Emery, who came with nothing. But for some people who are maybe bringing old things that they've had from a rented or a previous home, that's an amazing service. And again, they give you... When you go onto the website, they'll tell you how long it will come. But I think you can be pretty close to the wire with them and you can kind of be in contact with them to, to be like, look, it's going to be next week, which yeah. is an amazing service. They're fairly ready to rock and they're the kind of products that they'd have in the actual um, warehouse. So they're not having to get shipped from anywhere else like a sofa or a bed. We also asked April and the Bear, who will be on our final episode, um, Siobhan from April and the Bear. She'll be a guest in the series to talk about interior design. Um, but she stocks some amazing key pieces that would really dictate tone and style of a room, such as a gorgeous lamp or a statement sofa. And again, depending on stock, what they have or if they have to order it in, it could be four to six weeks for all of their stuff, sometimes less. Kitchens obviously is a big one, Kitchen jo. is a massive one. And obviously, as you said, Anne-Marie, that is not something that you want to rush into. But we spoke to the panelling centre who we really like um, and they have said for, for kitting out your kitchen entirely, they have a 20 day lead time from when you go in and pick what you want to getting it all fitted, which is a lot shorter than the industry standard. So if you are in a hurry and you are down to the wire, great to have a look there. Yes, so you can coordinate with them to make sure that the lead time starts just before you move in. So then you're only a day or two, if even, uh, from when you get in in the house to have it fitted. Anne-Marie, how did you manage the timing? I mean, you said you were very lucky with your bed. It arrived serendipitously just in time. But how did you time the rest of the arrival of your things? Did you have stuff stockpiled like the appliances? How did you how did you manage it? Yeah, it's it's really changed now in terms of the online shop. So I would have ordered a lot online as well. Um, they tell you the actual day of delivery. So it's great because I think you you know, you know when to be there for the, the delivery. I actually got my sofa from DFS as well and they say, you know, I'm going to be there Thursday at 10 and they are there Thursday at 10. So, you know, with tradesmen, sometimes they can't, they mightn't even rock up. They, you know, <laughs> you might have taken a half day or an hour to be home for delivery and, and it's not there and it's really hard to manage. But I think now with online deliveries and even like the bed from Arnott's, they rang me to say it's going to be there a certain time. They um, ensure that it's going to get, the bed is going to get through your front door. They ensure that it's going to get around your stairwell if you have a curve. That's amazing. Uh, things like that, you know, that you you don't think of, but they are the experts in their product. That's another good point actually for when you're ordering stuff is to not just know if it'll fit in the room, but if it'll fit through the door that it has to get through. I think I certainly overlooked that and damaged a fair few walls getting beds up to the yeah, yeah, I'd never think of that. That's really, really brilliant. You want someone who's thought all of that stuff through. You've got enough things to be thinking and about. And someone that handy stage. in the family who can take the door off the hinges if needs be wow. to get something through. They're <laughs> <laughs> all one of those people. I would love to ask you, and I'm sure I speak for all of your followers. I'm sure they have a lot of this information already, but you've mentioned some of the places where you got some essentials. But even now, where are your favourite places to go shopping, online or offline? Definitely, I shop a lot more online and I found 
when I was uh, when I had my babies as well, I was a lot more confined uh, to the house. So I would have spent hours online, you know, searching through things at made.com. I love H&M. Home is really good. And then, you know, your bespoke shops as well. There's some fabulous ones out there now. You mentioned April and the Bear. Dear Trudy is another one. And mm-hmm. um, there's so many popping up. And then your department stores as well. So your your, your trusted favourite, I mentioned the Arnott's warehouse sale. Yes, you do have to get there in person, but you can see a lot of the stock that they're going to have in advance. Did you ever use cult furniture? Yes. They're brilliant for the Nell Trend piece. Yeah, I have an uh, an office chair from there that I that I love. So those there's you know, your cult, your made.com, those types of brands and classifieds as well. I have to say done deal and adverts. I found a few nice things there. You know, if you set up an alert, for example, for a drinks trolley or something like that that you're really keeping an eye out for, you can get lucky and get some really cool finds. That's a really good point. I didn't know you could set up an alert if you're looking for something specific. That's really good. And also um, something that I did that might be useful for people is um, with our coffee tables, we got them on Etsy. We found this brand that we loved, the sort of vintage style, dis- distressed, reclaimed, whatever, all those words for the wood, looking a bit battered but trendy. Um, and we we were able to custom order. So there's lots of people on Etsy who are actually making stuff um, that you can say, look, we, we love this we love this coffee table, for example, but our living room is a little bit smaller. Can you do something something else? And they will do that. So don't be afraid to ask um, when it comes to those kind of sellers. Yeah, I, I love Etsy as well. And, and our blind actually in the attic, in the bedroom, was custom made from a guy um, and, and we absolutely love it. You know, so it was one of those awkward spaces that we never thought we'd get, we would able to fit anything in and they were able to custom made. So yeah, Etsy, they're really good. You're such a massive Pinterest fan. I feel like we should sit down and have like a Pinterest like masterclass with you. How do you avoid getting completely overwhelmed in there? I know that's something that I struggle with. I feel like, okay, this, as you said, like this is a perfect look for me. And then you fall down a rabbit hole and you get completely yeah. drawn away. How, what's your advice for people if they are going to go onto Pinterest and they want to have a look? How do you keep your eyes on the prize? It's about planning, really. It's, it's just like, so how I approached it was I took a room. So for example, downstairs bathroom or downstairs you know, VC, whatever you call it. And then looking at different designs, I would, you know, look at, you know, a couple of ideas and then find out where they got their things and then look at how I'm going to do it. So I definitely planned it more than um, I would say, OK, today I'm looking at this particular room and then I would go and try and do that room and not come back to Pinterest until I've finished because I could get lost in it for hours, okay. you know, looking and, at... And, and would you click through to people's blogs to see where they've gotten specific items and all that? Yeah, I found it great for that. Um, it usually would bring you to their blogs or back to Instagram or somewhere where there was more detail. And usually people are really approachable if you message them and ask them, you know, where they got things. And that's where, you know, there is a great advice community out there that people will let you know, like, where they got things. I found with Pinterest, I'd fall in love with something and then I'd click on the blog and I'd get through to the article and the piece and it would be from America or something. And that would be a little bit upsetting because you're like, oh, is it available in Ireland? But then now I'm a massive fan of like a dress pal and um, parcel motel for those kind of things, which is so handy, for especially for like, I'm a big fan of West Elm in the UK and they don't deliver direct to Ireland, but I just order everything via West Elm. And then if it's too big, you can go and pick it up at the warehouse. I also want to ask you, when you do have a partner who is vocal and has their own idea on <laughs> how something should look. I mean, how do you guys manage that? Do you sit down together and look at a board or do you go to the different shops together? Like, how does it work? Because for some people, 
their partner is happy for them to take the lead and off they go. But it is a little bit more of a compromise when you're dealing with someone who has their own idea of how yeah, things should do you, be. Do you ask for forgiveness or permission? <laughs> yeah, a, a mixture of both, really. I, I would have gone, you know, with an idea. So like that with the mood board or the Pinterest board done and say, you know, this is the idea for this room. You know, I'm thinking this, this and this. What do you think? And there'd be a little bit of discussion there. And then it'd be like, OK, where's the bigger, the bigger piece items, for example, the kitchen island. That was definitely, you know, a lot of going to showrooms and as well as as well as looking online. Mm. But you definitely had to go and look at the, the joinery, look at the finish, all of that. So I'd, it's a mixture of both, but uh, definitely I would have done both. Like I said, brought home things and he'd be like, what are Sorry. you at? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, online delivery comes and he's like, what's that? Is that for the house? What is it? You know, I can't sneak it in. Um, so, Especially uh, when he's at home to collect it and yeah, you're at work. Yeah, he's exactly. been signing in. And like, Likewise, when you have kids, has that impacted how you would choose things? I know we all probably want to have a powder pink couch, but maybe when you have smallies, that's just not practical. Has that been a big factor in how you've chosen to design the house? It has, um, but I haven't let it hold me back, to be honest, because uh, I know people who have said, right, I'm not decorating my house until the children are five or ten. So many people do that. Yeah, that's so upsetting. Yeah, and I'm actually going, oh, no, no, not at all. So... You know, there are great fabrics. I have a DFS chair, for example, that's velvet. And, you know, half the people when I was getting it thought it, thought it was mad. What are you doing velvet chairs and you've got young kids? But the actual, it comes with a cleaning kit. There are, you know, things that the, the material can handle. So there's definitely ways around it. You know, velvet is is really in. And I, I'd love a velvet sofa. But um, there are definitely, you know, ways around it. Um, and we are very much, I know this sounds funny but we're very much like don't jump on the furniture don't draw on the furniture don't draw on the walls things like Mm. that like we do have rules around you know what you can and cannot do um, and I know some people don't. I wish I could yeah. apply those rules to my dog who doesn't quite understand the English of you're not allowed on the couch after you've been in the park for a walk. Poor Barry, yeah. he thinks all those beautiful cushions are for him. I can never get a white couch and actually I think I'd be too stressed out by having something like that that I would sit on it with like mucky hands or something. But you're right. I think so many people do hold back from expressing themselves in their home for fear of something getting dirtier, getting ruined. And that's life. And I think you just need to be able to live in it. And yeah, if the worst a arises... House for a living. You're not, it's not a showroom that you're designing. It's a house. It has to be functional. Also, what you want it to look nice. But things aren't going to stay perfect forever. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are definitely corners in my house where there's, you know, loads of toys and I stuff them into, you know, one of these teepees at night, you know, to, for, to, so that nobody can see them. But they during the day, they're, they are out. You know, so you do have to live, but and they're certainly not in any of my photos. Those those toys, <laughs> but you know, it's 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 a balance. Well, Emery, thank you so much for your invaluable advice. So so lovely to have you today, and so reassuring to hear from a first time buyer who's been through the whole process and can can acknowledge the stress points and and how overwhelming it can be, but who's come through it and also really enjoyed the process as well and gotten gotten your dream home. So congratulations. Thank you and thanks for having me. Hope you enjoyed episode five of The Home Stretch, the ultimate guide to buying your first home with Gaff Interiors and Bank of Ireland. Join us for our last episode in the series where we'll be chatting to retail owner and interior designer Siobhan Lam of April and the Bear. Tune in then. Meet a Bank of Ireland mortgage specialist anytime, anywhere. Go to boi.com forward slash homes. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank, trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.